Hey everybody! Alright, so last time I told you that we had just too much audio to fit into episode 55. So here's the rest of it. Uh, first up, you're going to hear Jim talk about his toy collection. Um, if possible, you're going to want uh, to go to lanterncast.com and follow along for a visual aid. Uh, from there, Jason talks about his adventures with Free Comic Book Day and being the, the, um, the Las Vegas agent for PKD Media. After that, we throw it over to Chad Bokelman, friend of the show. You've heard him on here a bunch before. As he went to his local comic shop on Free Comic Book Day and got to interview DC creator Scott Collins, uh, whose work you might be familiar with if you're listening to the show from uh, the artwork from Blackest Night Flash, the three-issue miniseries, as well as the, the recently wrapped up Solomon Grundy miniseries. So, you know, that was great of Mr. Collins to take some time out to talk to Chad for us, and it was great for Chad to take the initiative and get this interview. Um, also, I will I will tell you right now, that store was packed, so there's there's got to be a little little background noise to, to get through, but it's still, you can still hear their conversation pretty clearly. So, you know, sit back and enjoy the show. Oh, he's around? He is now. Nice. I uh, just have to... Let's try this. Hello? Hey, Jason? Yeah. How's it going? What's up, brother? Jason! How's the episode thus far, gentlemen? Well, it went well. Yeah. Cool. Um, Jason, are you by a computer? Um, yeah, I got my laptop right here. Okay, good. So... Let's see. Okay, so I have I have a little little thing here. Um, I just moved, and you know we're we're still getting set up and everything like that. But what I was finally able to do was set up. Like for the most part, it's going to change a little, but my Green Lantern display. So what I wanted to do was, you know, I took pictures of it, and it's like, you know, I took pictures in stages, so you guys get to like kind of like get the unveiling effect. And I get to show off my, you know, my display, you know, one step at a time. So, if you guys will go to lanterncast.com. Oh, it's up there already. No, no, it's not. It's it's kind of like, it's it's hidden, but it'll be there when the episode goes up. Now, after lanterncast.com, you want to type in backslash display1.jpg. The number one or the word? Yes, the number one. I'm already jealous and I haven't even seen anything. <laughs> nice. Okay. So this is this is the top the top of my uh, my curio cabinet. As you can see, uh-huh. uh Larfley's standing next to my orange lantern Hal Jordan. Thank you very much, Jason. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, if you will change that one to a two, so you go to display2.jpg. You guys there? Yep. No, no, don't end now. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to hear not responding. Go to the goddamn site. Oh, boy. <laughs> How many of these are there, by the way? Uh, just a few. Thousand. <laughs> Wait till you see. This, the second picture is just the first one cocked slightly to the right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. This is killing me. What you call it? Hold on. Let me go, take, let me go put my modem on. What you call it? What uh? What was interesting was on the forums. Jason's son, Christian, he mentioned how like he can't wait until uh, the Orange Lantern Lex Luthor comes out. Right. Mm. And uh, and he's like, you know, then I'll have all three of uh, I'll have every Orange Lantern figure that uh, that they've made. And and like as I'm putting these out, I'm like, you know what? I can't wait till they make the Orange Lantern Lex Luthor, and I'll have all of the Orange Lantern figures they've made. <laughs> you two are going to be like Lex and Larfleeze fighting over toys. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, too. Jason's son and his friend like that went with you guys to San Diego are both on our forum now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah we've had quite a few members join up recently. Yeah. Have we? Yeah. We should start learning their names. <laughs> we should. Yeah, that would be nice, huh? <laughs> Uh, we appreciate you, even though we don't know your name. We don't know who you are, but hey, you're awesome. I didn't memorize Jim's name until episode 14. <laughs> uh, you almost there, Jason? Uh, I would like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I got my new modem. Okay. Just dragging the show down. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I do. Uh, you can just, just edit this this part out, Dan. Oh, I'm going to make it longer somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for the love of God. (laughs) Oh, God! (laughs) Maybe we should just describe to Jason what we're saying. (laughs) Make him jealous. (laughs) Oh, I'm already jealous. Not even soon. I saw his his, uh, free comic book day picture. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. We haven't gotten to that one yet. (laughs) <laughs> oh, God, yeah. When I was at um, the mall just now, we went into Hot Topic, and they had uh, the Alan Scott Justice Society action figure there. Nice. The which one? Oh, oh Alex Ross figure? A... Was it the one with him in the all-green armor? No. No, it's, oh. like, from the cover of Justice Society. Yeah. Oh, okay. No. You talking about the Kingdom Come one? Yeah. I got that one. Me too. Nice. It's the Kingdom I Come figure. That. I see a lot at like other stores, but I've never seen a regular Alan Scott. Oh. I might get a worse internet connection right now. I'm getting nothing. I got nothing. Can I go to Lantern Cast Display 1? Pops right up. Display 2? Yeah, not so much. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll describe number 2, and you, uh, you can start going to display number 3, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Should I start with display six? No, no, start with number three. Um, okay, okay, so... I'm thinking by the time I get anywhere, you'll be on six. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just loaded display three. <laughs> oh, come on, you're jumping ahead now. Okay, so 
Number two is uh, we have Larflees. It's it is the, the same picture. Number one, just slightly to the angle. Uh, Larflees, Orange Lantern, Hal, and uh, Star Sapphire. Um, you can't see it, but on the other side is uh, Hal Jordan as the Spectre. Um, and I got some other little things behind them. It's uh, you know just actually I don't even remember what's behind there. Oh yeah, an old uh, Kyle. Rainer figure with uh, you know, somebody else doesn't matter, um, but yeah, that that's that's all subject to change. Um, now we have display number three, and as everybody's listening, like you can you can click on these these pictures as I say it, so that way you get the full effect. Unless you're Jason, I, I yeah, unless you're me, I actually went to my. Uh... My PC upstairs, so I'm seeing if I can get any faster with this. But I had to disconnect my modem and put my. Okay. Well, I'll will slowly go through, go through it. <laughs> oh, <God>. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the, on this shelf we have uh, it's a it's actually made by a paperweight company, but it, it's a, a bust of the animated John Stewart. Um, my Green Lantern Batman figure, a Green Lantern glass, um. The uh, what, are the what are those things? Mini mates? The Lego looking? Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Green Lantern so. and Star Sapphire mini mates. Um, my Red Lantern Hal Jordan. Thank, Thank you, you, Jason. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> and behind the glass, I guess you can't really make it out with this photo, but it's He Man as a Green Lantern. I was gonna say, did you customize He Man? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What if He Man was Green Lantern? And number four, oh yeah, number four is a good one. I'm there. <laughs> number four has the four of the uh, the Green Lantern busts. Um, I got Kyle, Hal, Sinestro, and Alan Scott, and they all have the their metal rings in the base. Um, those are the removable ones, right? Yes, those you can wear. They say it's like not meant to be worn, but you can totally wear it if it fits your finger. Right in front of that, you have the full spectrum of Green Lantern rings, or Lantern Core rings, rather, from black to white. And right in, sen- in the center, in the front, is the uh, the Green Lantern ring that they gave out in the 1990s, when uh, with uh, I guess that was Green Lantern number one. It was that or Mosaic? I think it was Green Lantern number one. Now I don't know. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And then uh, right in back of them, you have White Lantern Sinestro. Love that figure. Um, okay, so next we have number five. And this has had nothing to do with Green Lantern. This is just other <laughs> statues I have. <laughs> My Alex Ross Superman from, uh, oh, what is that? Justice something or other? Is that the, um... Oh, Superman Forever. That's what it is. Right. It's the cover of Superman Forever. What the hell is Superman Forever? Uh, it was, uh, had a motion co- uh, cover. I think it was right after they killed off Clark Kent, and then they brought him back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anyway, it's an awesome cover of, like, basically Superman, like, opening his, his shirt to show the S underneath. Um, you have the Jim Lee Batman from, uh, the, the Hush storyline cover. 
and right in front of it, it's Jasmine from Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin, in her red outfit. (laughs) Is that the one Lauren got you on your honeymoon? No, actually, when we went on our honeymoon, we were, you know, we were looking in all the stores, and, like, I pointed out how much I like that, because Aladdin's my favorite of the Disney movies, and I always loved the red costume at the end. I thought that was always awesome. And we saw it, and I pointed it out to Lauren. I'm like, I really like that. I'm like, but I'm not going to get it because, you know, we have to, we'd have to travel with it home, and I don't know if it would make it and everything like that. And, you know, I don't really need a statue. And we get home. Oh, on three. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> He's on three. Nice. <laughs> Where are we at? Five. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to four. Oh, four is sweet. Yeah. Like it? Hello? Oh, guys, he's catching up. Go, go, go. Go, man. We have to lose him. Uh, okay, I'm on five. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, like, for Christmas, like, I, she's like, I, yeah, I got you this, this awesome thing. She's like, you'll never guess what it is in a million years. And I opened the box, and, like, Apparently, she went on eBay as soon as we got home and ordered me this this statue. I had no idea. Is it the same one? Yes. That you saw there? Yes. Awesome. Hey, question. See your hands on uh, display six or seven. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, where... Is that where Black Lantern Hal Jordan is? Because you can clearly see him standing there in display five. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And in the back of number five, yeah, you can. That's uh, Black Lantern Hal Jordan. Is he actually on that level, or are we seeing a reflection from a different level? Yeah, no, no, that that's him. He's there. Um, oh. Yeah, you can see the top of Jim's head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, good catch, Dan. <laughs> I forgot about that. You're, like, talking for a half an hour about Jasmine's pants. And yeah. like, you're like, oh, remember that figure that I thought was the most beautiful thing ever? Yeah, I'm not going to bring it up. <laughs> Well, what you go is the thing about Hal Jordan, um, the Black Lantern Hal Jordan, like, I thought it was a cool figure, and then I get it, and I'm looking at it, and, like, the the gray is, like, a nice gray, but the black is such a vibrant black. It's just, it really pops. It's really a really cool-looking figure. Um, Let me hide it behind Superman. <laughs> well, I, I want to put it on display, and I want it to be, you know, in, in glass, because that's something, you know, I want to keep nice. Um, display number six. This is my recent acquisition from Free Comic Book Day. <laughs> this was not free. Aww. Oh, it wasn't free? No, 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 no. <laughs> the whole day is a lie. Oh, man. Yeah, Alan Scott's power I thought power you wanted battery. in a raffle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the raffle ticket was incredibly expensive, though. <laughs> 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 and I was the only one in the raffle. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Yeah, like... Basically, oh, wait, and before I even go into the story, display number seven for the, you know, the pace de resistance. Ah, yes. To be more true to form, shouldn't we knock it over and then stand it back up? (laughs) And then relight it with our own rings? Yes. (laughs) Throw matches into it or something? Or you could have uh, Ziggo grab it and break the handle. <laughs> nice. Uh, everybody, listen to Comic Tube. All right, go on. Uh, and then uh, display number eight has uh, kind of like the full. Oh, effect. there's an eighth one. Yeah. You led me to believe seven was the last. 
Oh, there he goes. Very cool. Yeah. So basically, like once I got the the Hal Jordan power battery, I always kind of wanted the Alan Scott one, but you know, like it's a lot of money, and I figured, well, I have the the Hal Jordan one, and like recently with the the Sinestro power battery prop being uh, solicited, um, and I have it ordered, so that's awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say, where's that gonna go? Because you don't have a lot of room. Well, the the top two shelves, I'm gonna do some shuffling. Like the top shelf, like this isn't all the stuff that I have. This is just the stuff that I had access to right now. Um, I'm gonna gonna have to reshuffle some stuff, and then the Superman, Batman, and Jasmine are going up a level, and then it's probably gonna be the Alan Scott battery, the Sinestro battery underneath that, and then the Hal Jordan battery on the bottom. Um, but yeah, I mean like recently, like since I got the Sinestro battery or I have it on order, it's like, wow, now I really wish I had gotten that Alan Scott battery and I happened to find it in one of the shops I went in on free comic book day and they were having like an awesome sale. So I'm like, I will be getting you. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Yes. Where's all your other stuff though? All my other stuff. What do you mean? Don't you have, didn't you get, like, the Mego? The... Oh. Oh, yeah, that's... No, that's still packed up. I, I feel like I said, I have a lot of other Green Lantern stuff, like the Mego Green Lantern. Yeah, I, I still have a ton of other Green Lantern things, but, uh... That, that, you know, most of the toys are still packed up and have not been sorted through yet, so... Yeah. Yeah, I just recently... Rotated my uh, my computer desk with uh, my, some of my toys. Uh, Jason, he's got a lot of toys. Since uh, since we're running out of time, free comic book day. Free comic book day was awesome. <laughs> um, I ended up um, going to my little comic store, uh, Comic Oasis, and because I moonlight as a PKD Media's marketing director. <gasps> um, Oh, right. Wait a second, wait a second. P- PKD Media, who are they? PKD Media is awesome. That's uh, Sean Pryor. He owns PKD Media. He runs it. He writes all the books for them. And uh, they have such fabulous works of art as Mercury and the Murd and Agents of Cult. Phenomenal stuff. Go to pkdmedia.com. Buy the books. They are great. Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying that. But... Um, Last year, he came out with an anthology, and, uh, oh, actually, Sean Pryor was on the show. He was on for Blackest Sight number four? I think four, four-ish. Three or four. Yeah. Last year, they came out with an anthology book where it had, like, the first chapter of each arc of uh, five different stories that he was running through, and they decided not to keep going with the anthology. They decided to take the two most popular ones, Mercury and the Murder and Agents of Cult, and do the full... First, uh, first arc in trade this year that just came out. You can get those on DCBS and Heroes Corner. Mm-hmm. Well, he had a, a, quite a few left over of the uh, anthology book from last year. So we worked out a deal where um, I went to my local comic shop for free comic book day, and I had approximately 50 um, of those trades. <laughs> so they were trade size, twelve ninety nine retail value on those. And I was giving away those for free, along with, um, I had about 10 CDs left of the best of the Lantern Cast. 
and mm. I had a bookmark from PKD Media, and I had um, some other ad- advertisements of what's coming out in the near future, and uh, the business cards from uh, the Lantern Cast. And then I also had the banner um, that Sean Pryor had at Super Show saying that it was sponsored uh, by uh, the Lantern Cast. He had uh, given that to me as a thank you, and I took that with me. So uh, PKD Media was sponsored by the Lantern Cast for Free Comic Book Day. <laughs> and it was an absolute success. I got there probably about 11.30 and it opened at 10, and there was apparently a line of uh, down the street and around the corner to get in for Free Comic Book Day. And I went through 50 trades in less than an hour and a half at one per family. <laughs> the 10 CDs were gone within literally three to five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just crazy. Uh, it was it was insane, and he gave away I think he said four thousand books. Oh my God, Jesus! Yeah, he um, anything that he had over ordered, like uh, Captain America six hundred. Um, oh my just, God! Yeah, he gave away he said over four thousand books. It, it was awesome, and I had people coming up to me and they're like, "Hey, you know, I was wearing my Lantern Cast T-shirt, of course." Of course. And, um, you know, people were coming up like, hey, what's this about? And then I would tell them, like, hey, this is, you know, PKD Media. Like, and if you like Green Lantern, oh, I love Green Lantern. I'm like, oh, well, check this out, you know. And I kind of broke it down to them about what uh, what we're all about for the Lantern cast. Oh, absolutely give it a listen. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And then, actually, um, I was talking to a gentleman, and uh, another guy came up to the side of me, and he's like, hey, he points to my shirt. He goes, I'm a listener. I'm like, no way. And I was trying, you know, like, you know, trying to have two conversations at one time because, I mean, not that I wasn't interested in the guy that I was talking to initially, but I was far more interested in the other guy who was a listener. And uh, he gave me his forum name, and I forgot it like a dumbass. Uh-huh. And then I had sent my son out to the car because I wanted to get all of his information, you know, his real name, his forum name, so I can give a shout-out on, uh, on the show. And by the time that my son had gotten back, he had just left. And I was kind of stuck behind the table where I couldn't leave because people kept coming up. So I'm just like, shit, you know. So if you're still listening, please email me <laughs> so we can give you a proper shout-out on the show. It was awesome to meet you. Great guy. Very cool. And uh, I'd like to give you a, a proper thank you and shout-out on the show. So give me an email. Yes. Hello, forum member. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you for listening. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. God. How crazy is that, though? I mean, remember last year when everybody was so excited about the fact that Marvel and DC were finally putting out original content in a free comic book day issue? And now this year, PKD Media puts out an entire freaking trade? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was awesome. I mean, literally, I could have gotten rid of 200. Not gotten rid of. I could have given away 200 trades if I was there at the very beginning, easily, at one per family. I mean, easily within you know, the first hour probably, because he said the the owner, Derek, said that, you know, it was just such a madhouse there. And it wasn't like a limit of, he doesn't say like, you know, you can only get one book or you can get this many books. You know, he asked if you're going to get, you know, a whole bunch of books, don't get more than one of each. But he would let you go through and get one of each book. Nice. I mean, and we came out, I, I, I text you guys the picture, right, of, all the comic books we had, me and my son. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, spread out on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
those are for me, my son, and my daughters. Because they were, uh, my daughters were a little upset they didn't get to go. Because I took my son with me. He went to free comic book day. He helped me man the table. And uh, my daughters were slightly upset Aww. that they didn't go. Um, but they are far less patient and uh, able to sit around and, you know, than my son is. My son can, you know, sit there and be quiet and, you know, just talk to people as they come up and not, you know, cause problems where my daughters might be more apt to running around. And I'm saying this is my oldest daughter is sitting here right next to me and she's making faces at me right now. <laughs> but, uh, like, Dad! <laughs> want to talk on the... Well, yeah, now they go running. <laughs> they fear oh, us. Guy. Yeah. But, um, no, we had a great time and then I was talking to Sean and um, we're going to... He's already working on stuff for next week, comic book day. Nice. For next year. Awesome. Because this one was such a large start, success. Start giving out and PKD Absolute Editions. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chad Ciccone, the artist for Breaker the Murder, he was out in Pennsylvania and yeah. did uh, free sketches and stuff and whatnot there. And what was really funny is um, I'm there giving away the books, and this guy comes up and he's like, are you part of PKD Media? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just the marketing director. He's like, can I get your autograph in the book? I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, well, you know, you might be somebody someday. Can I get your autograph? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sure, why not? And so I just write my name in the book. And then the next guy's like, can I get one too? Can I, oh, the guy had like already gotten his book. And I got like five people running around with uh, <laughs> with <laughs> those trades with my, my name signed in. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's awesome. It was, was kind of cool, but it was like really surreal for the gentleman to come up to me and tell him, tell me he was a listener and he enjoyed the show and everything. It was just kind of, <laughs> I mean, it was just random. I mean, it was just really, really cool, but I mean, it was nowhere near like a, a comic book convention. It was, I mean, granted, it was free comic book day and whatnot, but, you know, I don't know how many people out here in Vegas listen, but <laughs> if you do, absolutely, you know, send me an email. We'll get together, have some lunch. <laughs> I am uh, more than happy to meet the fans of the show. And then that way I can have people come with me to the movies. And yeah. I won't be here by myself <laughs> uh, for the West Coast version of uh, the Green Lantern movie. I, I, I think uh, yeah, I think as, as it gets closer, we'll definitely have people out there. Because, I mean, like anybody that's like in California – and I know that we do have, you know, a few listeners in California. Like, if they were going to go at all, then going to Las Vegas is a lot easier than going to New York. Right. And who doesn't want to go to Vegas? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I, I stay as far away from the Las Vegas Strip as I possibly can. But, you know, for other people it's fun. It's like last call when we were out at uh, Super Show. And, like, last call was like, three o'clock in the morning or something i'm like huh last call what's that <laughs> Vegas? the bars are open 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 and one fourth days a year i don't know csi has me believing that someone is murdered every single day in vegas so i might want to <laughs> stay here yeah but if you look at the csi uh one episode they had um one of the, the it was like a comedian was killing people with a. Uh, some poison they put on the water, and they went into a local convenience store to uh, check all the water bottles. And they had the California Lottery 
sign in the background. And I'm like, that's not Vegas. Oh, those jerks. I thought you were going to say they went into the thing to check the labels, and there you were in the back, set up with your PKD <laughs> media table. <laughs> but it's just like, I mean, I'm sure anywhere that, like, you're from, if they shoot something that's supposed to be there, you can pick it apart. Like, uh, in Con Air, when they're crash landing the airplane at the end on the Vegas Strip, and they go, like, past, it's like right next to uh, Circus Circus is the Hard Rock Cafe, and the Hard Rock Cafe is not even on the Strip or <laughs> anywhere near the Strip. I mean, it's, it's close, but nowhere near where Circus Circus is, probably a good 10, 15 miles away. And I'm like, that's not on the Strip. That's not real. What's the Statue of Liberty doing there? Damn. <laughs> we don't. We have a Statue of Liberty on the Strip. Uh, <laughs> at, at, uh, we have a hotel called the New York, New York. And uh, they have the Empire State Building and the Statue of Liberty, plus a little bit more of the skyline. Um, Dan, did you uh, did you do anything for Free Comic Book Day? I went to work. <laughs> nice. No, me too. <laughs> I know. No, I didn't make it to any stores. I DCBS though lets you pre lets you like order your Free Comic Book Day books in advance, so that I should actually be getting that on Friday. No recollection at all as to what I selected, but. <laughs> It'll be it'll be a nice surprise. <laughs> Very cool. Um, uh, and uh, for me, like I hit, I ended up hitting like a bunch of stores. Um, you know, got a bunch of comics for free. Very awesome. Um, one of the coolest things, one of the shops that I went into, they had um, the writer of the Toy Story comic, the Free Comic Book Day Toy Story comic signing. That's the son of D. Snyder. From Twisted Sister. So the son of the lead singer of Twisted Sister is writing Toy Story. Yes. Yeah. He's uh. Seems, seems a little messed up. What you call it? He he was he was in a band. He has a band. He does voiceover work and he writes comics. And uh, he's written like a number of different comics. And and now he's working for Boom doing this. And in any case, like the cool part though is that like me and my buddy were there. Me and Eric. Um, we're walking around, and all of a sudden, like, I hear, you know, somebody's like, excuse me, walks past, and I'm like, that's D. Snyder. D. Snyder from Twisted Sister stopped into the comic book shop. Man. That's very cool. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, yeah. It was a awesome day. Yeah. Um, what you call it? Okay, so we have to wrap up very soon. Um, yeah. The only other thing that I wanted to mention was uh, Blackest Night, uh, number one, the director's cut that just came out. Did you guys pick that up? God, no. Uh, I, I just got it in from DCBS. Um, I just want to say, like, if anybody out there was kind of like, you know, on the fence about getting it, like, it's it's so much more worth buying than... I think any other director's cut issue I've seen in the past forever. Um, is that necessarily I, saying a lot, though? You know, it, it kind of is, because it goes through the entire series of Blackest Night. It has, like, you know, selected panels and, like, commentary by Johns and uh, uh, Ivan Reese and uh, inkers and colorists and editors, and just, they're all just commenting. Was that... Yvonne Hayes? Yes, I, I said that. Ivan, Ivan Reese. Yeah, could, they, could they find him? Yeah, God. Um, <laughs> there's, you know, there's art, there's 
like every cover for Blackest Night is is in there. Um, concept art. Oh yeah, the concept art for tons of Black Lantern characters, unused Black Lantern characters. It's it's actually like a really cool issue. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, coming out very soon is the Blackest Night Power Ring Spectrum set. It's like the plastic rings, only now they light up. Um, a set of these is going to go for about 60 bucks. But uh, on the forums, uh, since there's a lot of people that don't really want the whole set, we're kind of like, you know, forming lists to see if, uh, you know, maybe a few people want just one ring. So we all kind of chip in, like, it's it's going to be between 6 and $10 a ring. Uh, you know, including shipping and handling, depending on how many rings you get. And, uh, you know, that way if somebody only wants two rings and somebody only wants the other two rings and blah, 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 then everybody can get rings easier. So check out the forums, check out the Blackest Night Power Ring Spectrum Set thread, and, uh, you know, see if there's any that you want. This is Chad, and I'm here free comic book day at Rogue's Gallery in Austin with Scott Collins. He's done work on Grundy, Blackest Night Flash, and a whole bunch more. Scott, how you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Hi, everybody. Hey, uh, first question, obviously, would have to be, how did you get into this? How did you get into art? And then, uh, consequently, how did you do the jump from art to writing or writing to art or whatever else? Um, when I was a kid, probably like seven or eight or so, was when I got into comics, and I loved it and started drawing from that point on. Um, about the time of uh, junior high or so, I got really lucky, and um, there was a professional artist who lived in my hometown at the time. Uh, a funny name for Flash fans. His name was Dennis Jensen. He was an inker back then on The Flash. Um, and we'd get together, me and a bunch of the kids, and Dennis, and we'd talk about comics, and he'd give us some tips and insights, stuff like that. That lasted through about high school, and then after high school, I tried regular college for a little bit, which really didn't pertain to what I wanted to do with comic books. The, the one I went to, the art program was... Uh, completely different. So then I went to the Kubert School. I went to that for two years. Um, and not only did they have all the training that I needed there, but it was also close enough to New York. So I could take the train in or whatever and start knocking on doors and see everybody and shake hands and try and get work, which is what eventually happened. It took uh, the two years after the school um, that uh, I first got my first work uh, from Valiant Comics and then moved up from there. And I interned for a little while up at Marvel in their art corrections department under John Romita. Um, and then just kept going from there until I was full-time freelance. Um, the writing end of it was also there when I was a kid, making up my characters and doing my little doodles and everything else. And then that's just taken more time uh, to have it actually manifest itself into something um, just recently at DC. But I tried for years at Marvel. and um, I actually did 
uh, co-write something at Dark Horse uh, years before that, but um, that's just like, you know, getting to the more pieces of the dream. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. So how, how did you uh, get involved with, with Blackest Night and uh, all of that? Are you friends with Jeff Johns before? Or, or? Yeah, uh, ever since uh, Jeff worked, Jeff and I worked together on uh, uh, Stars and Stripes. Okay, yeah. It's a film work on that. And then Jeff and I immediately kind of like connected when we worked on that. We met together at like, San Diego or something like that. And we've just been good friends ever since then. And it was just a great partnership, personally and professionally. So then after Stars and Stripes was over, um, as the face went, have it that we want to work together on the flat. And that's where just so much of the magic happened. We had such a great time with it. We worked together for so long. Um, then I spent a few years away at Marvel, but then came back when Jeff had talked to me a couple different times about different things to do when I came back. And then Rogue's Avenge popped up, and he said, now is the time. Let's do it now. I said, okay. I'm up for it. It's perfect time for me. Um, came back, and um, Rogue's Revenge leading from one thing into the next. Um, but a lot of it, like Black Snet and Slash and those kind of projects, those are all linked in with Jeff. Um, Solomon Grundy was the same thing. Um, I was talking about different things I wanted to do with DC, and uh, um, I told Jeff, uh, we talked about it before, but I told Jeff that I'd like to work on something like Solomon Grundy. I think that'd be cool. And he goes, oh, I've got a Solomon Grundy idea. Like, okay, great. And then he shared the idea, and he actually made half the pitch for me right there at one of those uh, dinners we were at. <laughs> Excuse me. And, um, and yeah, so Jeff brought me into the Black Snap Flash or the Solomon Grundy or different things, giving me tons of opportunity and uh, a leg up on everything else that I wanted to do with DC. He's awesome. Yes. Uh, just just being you know put the lantern gas in a lot. What what is it like to work with uh, not necessarily just just Johns but also on such a huge event such as Blackest Night? Did he have like you know hey I want you to do this point this point this point within the book or was it just kind of he wrote and uh, how does he direct your art or both with Flash and then how did you? participate in your Grundy story, for instance? Uh, in the Flash stuff, it's similar to uh, the way we've always worked along. He writes a full script. He's usually very thorough, and he covers all the bases within that script. Occasionally, I have questions or uh, comments or um, ideas of my own that I like to bounce off him and see if we can put those in as well. Um, but uh, uh, most of it's pretty intensely thought out and done beforehand, so then it's just a matter of, you know, he says, hey, we're thinking about, you know, do you want to do this kind of thing? Or the editor calls me up and asks me, and I say, yeah, it sounds great, or whatever, they tell me about it. And we all shake hands, and we move on from there. <clears throat> on Solomon Grundy, it was a, a little extra kind of special thing for me in that he came up with that original impetus of the idea of uh, that the man inside, or the origin of Solomon Grundy, Cyrus Gold, was going to get this thing, and he'd have seven days to, like, try and find the murderer, and that would be a way that we could like possibly end the curse and have this whole storyline go around. Um, and I thought it was great, and so did DC. So then they said, okay, great, we'll do a seven-issue thing around it. And Jeff agreed that he would co-write the Faces of Evil one-shot that was like the prelude into it. Um, but then the rest of it was open. They left it open and uh, invited me to go ahead and write and draw the thing. <clears throat> which was a huge leap of faith of theirs. Um, but Jeff, I think, gave me the thumbs up to him, so they gave me a shot for it. And then it was just a matter of whether I could come through. And thankfully, um, I did a couple of revisions early on, but um, most of the series went through with 
little revisions and just a whole lot of, you know, smiling and nodding. And everyone was excited and happy. And, you know, we liked how the issues went. We liked how it ended. Um, you know, we just had a really good time on it so much so that um, because of the Solomon Grundy's, that's when they offered me the two issues of Superman and Batman, which kind of center around Solomon Grundy and the Blackest Night stuff going on, but then have uh, Mad Bat and Superman as the Superman, Batman and the story. So it's like a horror version of Superman Batman for those issues. I really like that twist. That was really cool. Yeah, it was fun. That was their idea. That was DC's idea. It was like, hey, we're thinking of doing these two issues with these two characters. We want to do this. Sure. Love to. Why not? Right? Yeah. Especially on a big event like Blackest Night. Do you have any, uh, like, an inspiration of your art? Like, someone you base off of as far as wanting to be an artist? I got tons of guys. I mean, everybody I look around me, I'm looking at Paul next to me today. Now I want to start swiping from him. <laughs> There's the old, uh, all the way from the classics of Kirby or any of that stuff. I'm a huge Kirby nut, so I always look at his stuff anytime I feel like my own well is dry. Um, to the Michael Golden, the Bear Winter Smiths, all the other like heroes that everybody knows about. And even to modern guys, of course, like Adam Hughes or Travis Cherish. You just can't help but looking at these guys wondering how in the world they did it. Can I do anything that's going to come even close? So, yeah, everybody I look around at. So, it's just an everyday thing. I always... It's that continuing saga, you know. Once you start to realize what it takes to learn and how to draw or to learn to do anything, you realize that you just there's no stopping. If you're really learning. You just keep learning every day. Do you have a favorite character you like to draw, particularly, or a favorite story you've worked on in the past or are coming up? Well, Grundy was actually one of those that that fulfilled a long time uh, dream of, of me working on that stuff. Um, Bizarro was another one that thankfully I got to do him in those two issues of Superman, Batman. Um, but I'm a fan of the, all the major characters. I enjoy working with Flash or Green Lantern, and then all the minor characters too. I mean, I'm I'm a true old time comics fan. So you know, like somebody just asked for a Doctor Fate sketch. I love Doctor Fate. Um, uh, or even obscure Kirby ones like Olmec or something like that. I'd love to do an Olmec book or a one shot or whatever. Um, so I love them all, and it's just what I also like about it is the variety. That's one of the reasons I like Grundy so much was that it was such a change of pace for me from Flash or other. Superman, other things that I've done that are the built-in, polished, clean, good guy stories uh, that always have a positive ending, that kind of stuff. And Grundy is completely opposite. There's people dying all over the place, people get murdered all the place. And Grundy never, or Cyrus Gold, never actually like technically pay for all of those crimes that they've committed. So it's not a happy story in any context. <laughs> and it is a more violent story than I've usually done either. Stabbing and all sorts of stuff going on. <laughs> so um, I like the variety of it all. That's that's one of the things, and that's why Grundy turned out so well, I think. That, that's why I drew, you, drew you to him. Just, just, Grundy's always been a favorite character, is it just you wanted to do something opposite from what you worked on before, like oh, you were saying with the murder, the dark, and the mayhem, and whatnot? A combination. I've always been a monster fan. Okay. When I was a kid, uh, they would always show uh, monster festivals during the weekend, or different times we had one of those channels that would play, like Godzilla movies at 2 a.m. or something like that. Old school Godzilla. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, all the, the King Kong, Godzilla, um, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, all of those things. You know, I'd see him at seven years old and you know, be half awake for the next week, you know, scared me crazy. But I've always loved monsters, so um, that's always led into uh, my enjoyment of comic books. Uh, Hulk was one of my first books I actually picked up, and he's a monster. 
So uh, it all leads into it. And then I just, you know, it also works when I see the heroes with the Flash whatever, because sometimes you get these heroes like Superman that has a monster villain like Bizarro. So it works in either way that I can get it, but uh, have the main character being a monster has always been very appealing to me. Is that also appealing for the for the blackest eye, having to get, like you had the, with the Rogues Gallery before, and then having to turn the roads into monsters. Yeah, no, when Jeff and, uh, invited me for the Black Snake Flash, he told me that, you know, we'd have a whole bunch of uh, dead rogues coming back and all that zombie stuff for them. That was icing on the cake. I mean, the rest of it's all fine, but then you just give me that or you give me um, Solomar. He, I didn't even know Solomar until he was talking about the first issue. And like, we, we didn't talk about it ahead of time. Then he goes, oh, yeah, you know what thing I'm bringing? I'm bringing back Solomar to this. I'm like, zombie gorilla? Oh, my God. It's wonderful. You know, I was so excited. It was, it was one of the highlights for me was just drawing those three pages of a, a dead gorilla. <laughs> so... That is, that is really cool. The uh, my personal favorite scene from the whole little three issue thing was the the we don't kill women and children. Just that look in Colt's eyes, like see ya. Yeah, no. Jeff's got a really strong, um, good and uh, take that really I think appeals to a lot of people too. That you know the the rogues are villains and they do a bunch of dastardly things and they steal money and whatnot. But especially with Colt leading them, there is this kind of skewed morality or something where they have this line they don't want to cross. Sometimes it moves a little bit depending upon the situation. But still, to give them some sort of like frame point for the characters uh, I think is a real important definition to them that they haven't had before. It's an awesome angle. you have any dirt on Johns that you want to tell us from working with? Any good stories from working on the series? No, actually, I mean, our, our uh, work relationship has only got better or stronger as the years have gone along. Um, he's more uh, deadline conscious sometimes these days than we were in the past, but that's only because the man's ten times busier than he ever was before. <laughs> he's doing so much stuff. Um, while we worked on Rose or while we worked on Blackest Night Flash, I was used to in the past with him on Flash that he would probably have the script, well, he would have the issue I was working on, the whole script done, and he'd probably have the next one possibly done as well, or at least we'd have already talked about it. And on Blackest Night Flash, Ron Rose, he's so busy with the million things he's covering for all of DC that, um, you know, quite often I wouldn't have the whole script or something like that, or he'd have wind up with a sequence where he's like, I know I want to do this, but, you know, and then because of everything else he's doing, he's trying to squeeze it in to make sure it gets done and find the right, the best idea, this and that. So he'd tap me for some more ideas or this or that, and we chat about it some more. Or I'd say something that was silly, and then he'd go, oh, wait, but I could turn that into this, and this is really cool, and that would work. So we were a little more uh, down to the wire is like the only thing that's cut along that's uh, changed that wasn't like one of the uh, one of the best things that's ever happened to me was working with him. So uh, it's just gotten better and better. He's given me all these other opportunities too, so I can't sing his praises enough. Right. And working on The Blackest Night in the Flash and then moving on to the Secret Files and Origins Flash, did you just, was that an idea he gave you? Just He loved your work so much on The Flash? Or did you, are you a Flash fan in, in the first place, for instance? I am a Flash fan, but uh, The Secret Files, uh, Jonathan Long, even Blackest Night, that kind of stuff, that's all like this tapestry that Jeff is building and working in and then working with DC on how all it's supposed to fit together. Um, like um, as we were finishing Blackest Night uh, Flash, that's when Jeff said, oh, hey, and there's going to be this secret file story. Not sure exactly what month it's going to be, but I want to do this and this and this. Do you want to do that? Sure, fine. Of course I want to do that. I, you know, I want to do anything I could do with him. Um, and then it's, you know, it's just working into his tapestry of what's going on with the Flash. Do you know anything about that? Any spoilers? Nothing? 
No, actually, I, I know very little of what's going on right now, which is okay because it saves me from, you know, <laughs> answering questions, yeah. I, <laughs> making a mistake. But, um, I mean, I, I know, like, some general points of things he's pushing at, of ways he's trying to uh, focus things from differently from what he did when I was on the book and with Wally. Like, he's focusing more on, um, uh, with Barry, he's more focusing on Central City, fast-paced city versus that blue-collar city that was Central or Keystone. Um, those kind of uh, basic points or whatever, but I don't think it's really much more than anything you wouldn't have seen in issue number one already. Um, as far as the rogues, I've, I've just kind of been getting, my, me personally, been getting into Flash. Uh, actually, your storyline got me into Flash for a little bit. Uh, and then picking up the new series with Brightest Day and whatnot. Well, in the Brightest Day issues and all that, I see these rogues from the future or whatever. I personally would like to know from a fan like you, especially an artist and in the industry, what is it about the rogues or the Flash family of villains that should draw someone in? That, you know, what, what is it you love about these characters? Well, it's a funny thing. I mean, Flash actually does have, like, I don't know, the second, third uh, best filling group, the Rogues, um, out of all DC Comics, and it is one of those kind of like things you take note of after the fact of like, why is Batman so popular? Well, he has some of the best villains out there. Why is Spider-Man so popular? Well, he also has some of the best villains out there, and that's half of the attraction, I think, people when they read the stories. So in Flash's case, with the Rogues, you come up with this right combination of the dissimilar characters that might have a similar agenda or something like that going on, but somehow they bounce off of the main character well enough, or they test it in specific ways that works well enough with the creative people involved, and then also with the fans reading it, that you wind up with magical stuff. You can't always quantify it exactly, but, you know, cold, who slows things down and freezes things, is kind of almost the opposite of Flash, or so fast. Um, but, you know, or Zoom, you know, an exact opposite, who's a speed guy as well. Uh, they just connect somehow with all the stuff. They're good characters, they're interesting characters, um, and Flash's rogues, I think, is, is one of those magical things with Jeff, in that for the longest time, um, the other people who worked on the book since the rogues were invented had kind of like let the rogues sit on the sideline and they kept exploring other avenues of things about the Flash or about his villains or other villains, new villains, that kind of stuff. And then it was perfect timing with Jeff when he came on board and I came on board with him that, um, that we could like instill all this new energy into the rogues again and that kind of left on the wayside for a while. Um, and Jeff had all these great ideas. I mean, I'm a fan of Flash and everything, but Jeff is a huge fan of Flash. I think he has every issue. And he's read them all like many times over, so um, I don't think you could find a bigger fan Flash fan than Jeff is. Um, and then it's just his, you know, seeing how they were, he's such a fan also of how they were originally brought into the series and the angles they came from as these dash of villains and stuff, that he takes it and runs with it. And he's, he's one of those magic guys right now. He's into the Green Lantern universe and he's also working out with the Flash universe. He really just takes what's there as the blueprint and then expands upon it for, um, for readers of today as well as, you know, still echoing what worked in the past. He, he pushes it that much farther. doesn't get rid of it and just builds on it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Sweet. And you said you uh, entered uh, internship at Marvel for a while, and being a big Thor fan, even though this is Lantern Cast, I have to ask, how is it working on Thor Blood Oath? Because you said you, know, you love Thor. No, Thor is awesome. I'm a huge Thor fan. Thor was one of those where um, Hulk and Thor were probably my biggest uh, collections and interests and stuff when I was a Marvel reader. There's a lot of stuff I read. I read nearly everything, but 
Um, Thor, for whatever reason, again, for that variety sake, he's not like the other guys out there. He's got some big hammer and controls the weather and whatnot, but fights giants and trolls as well as supervillains and everything's going on. So there was that great variety for me. So working on Blood Oath was just a complete... I had been bothering the editors and stuff at Marvel all the, almost the entire time I was there. They knew that when they offered me Blood Oath, I was like skipping and screaming on the phone and just totally excited. Um, it was awesome. I had such a great time in that book, and it was really great working with Mike Golding, who was the writer on the book. Um, he was open to things, you know, asking me for different things that I'd like to do or whatever put in there. He had a basic framework of what the story needed, but there's plenty of, like, moving and shuffling you can do within all of that. Um, so it, it, was a, it was an awesome experience. It was, and it was my only one on Thor so far, so it's, it's very cherished. Okay, well, do you have anything you want to promote? Any upcoming uh, any upcoming books or anything like that? Again, with me having the uh, added opportunities that I've had at DC recently with writing and drawing stuff with uh, Grundy and stuff, um, I've now been given the opportunity to write and draw a five-issue uh, arc on uh, Magog. Oh, sweet. Um, and it's going to... Um, the first issue's already been in the previews, and it's... Uh, um, it's going to try and haul, bring in, it's going to try and bring in some of the flavor and even a character to from Kingdom Come and try and make that more central to Magog's story again as, as it rolls along. Um, I had a lot of fun talking with Keith Giffen about what he had done with so far, what he was thinking about, um, and it helped me kind of like formulate my plan of what I could do for these five issues and have fun with it. And for... For the Flash fans out there, I show this to you. Oh, I okay. make some Flash fans happy with the first issue. Oh, wow! And since it is audio, it's he's uh, showing me a big, a big sketch of uh, Magog standing over uh, Flash, uh, blasted and laying in the dirt. It's <laughs> really nice. <laughs> So uh, I got to have fun with my guy, but at the same time, it was it was nice enough that they were free with the material enough that I could do something like bring in Flash for this story or something like that and make it all work. Well, thank you for do- taking time to do the interview, and thank you personally for the uh, Black Panther Firestorm sketch. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And, oh, I have one more thing. Oh, man. It's all right. You'll like it, maybe. Um, a mutual friend of ours just got Twitter. Can you guess who? Um, no. Jeff Chot? No, he had it already. Us? I, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not on Twitter. Either. Lanterncast? No, that would be dumb. Rage Kitty? <laughs> it, yes, it is Rage Kitty. Oh, okay. No way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, awesome. he's he's not very talkative, but he's been posting at least once a day. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Cool. <laughs> and on that note... So you, <laughs> you can go to Twitter, twitter.com slash RageKitty and uh, follow his exploits. Okay. Do you know who's actually doing the typing for RageKitty? Oh, it's RageKitty. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Will RageKitty be talking about the Lantern Cast recording tonight? Uh, no. He was, he, was, he was talking about fleas, actually. Fleas, huh? Uh, Are they rage fleas? Oh, you, you can go to twitter.com slash ragekitty and find out for yourself. You're going to make me join Twitter. No, you can you can view without joining, I think. Listen, guys, 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 you know what I have to say about this? 
If you want to email us, lanterncast at gmail.com. <laughs> That's lanterncast at gmail.com. Or you can email us individually at jim, dan, or jason at lanterncast.com. We have a website at lanterncast.com that you can find all of our episodes. You can find links to our Facebook page or links to our forum on thecomicforums.com. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, and um, I'm looking for somebody who can do the voice of the Flash well, so if you think you can do that, what? <laughs> record a clip, and uh, it, it's going to be awesome if you think that you have the voice of the Flash. So, yeah, email it to me. Email Tom Caters. Just no, no, if it's... If you have the voice of the Flash, then email me at jim at lanterncast.com. This is going to be awesome. I'll give no more details here, but Jason knows why. I do indeed. I don't even want to know. Just let me hear it when it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> That's for the best. <laughs> okay, uh, so, signing off. So long, everybody. Good night. Good night. You just recently made the decision to fill out the entire line, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I, I had the, the the set, the the exclusives, and I'm like, okay, I'll just get you know a couple here. Okay, I'll just get like um, like Lars Lees and all the new Guardians, and that, that, that's just all I'll get. But then it was like, oh, but that that Firestorm looks really cool, and I have to get Black Hand because he has the the quote unquote Batman skull. And then I'm like, okay, well, Wonder Woman's cool. Okay, that's it. I'm not going to get it anymore. And then I, you know, I'm like, well, why should I just get some of them when I can get them all? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going back, and uh, I'm waiting. Um, they're re-releasing uh, a few of Wave 1 and 2. Then I heard also that they're going to do another re-release after that. They just haven't been announced yet. Really? And then, yeah. I was talking to the gentleman at uh, my comic store. And then uh, also on display currently is uh, Kingdom Come, Green Lantern. Um, I have the uh, infamous uh, re-release of Soundwave. <laughs> I have the uh, Skeletor and Panthor re-release. Uh, I took out some of my uh, my Batman stuff. I have uh, Bartman. I have um, 
Daffy Duck as Bat Duck. I have Alfred E. Newman as Batman and Alfred E. Newman as uh, Robin. <laughs> I have uh, Batman Well from The Tick. I have a uh, composite Superman and Batman. Oh, DC Direct figure? Yeah. <laughs> and then I have uh, Batman from Hush. I have the variant, um, the way that uh, who looked at, uh, Scarecrow looked at Batman and Batman Begins when he was uh, under the fear gas, when he was all black. Oh, yeah. I have that variant action figure. I have um, the Batmobile display from Hot Wheels, but the one's about 13 or 14 inches long from uh, the Batman movie uh, from 1989. I have uh, a Barbie uh, as Batgirl with the motorcycle. <laughs> I have uh, the one-six scale DC Direct Joker from The Dark Knight. I broke down and bought the uh, Sinestro DC superhero, or DC, uh, the one looks like the Mego dolls. Um, I have the Sinestro 1-6 scale from DC Direct. I have the miniature version of Devastator. I have a uh, Batman, what is that, a Kubrick? So the extra large Kubrick. I have uh, the Lucas collector set uh, from Star Wars with him and his kids as the as they were in uh, Episode 3. That's awesome. And then I have the 15th anniversary re-release of Optimus Prime from Japan with all Japanese writing the on it. The one without the battle damage? No, no. It's the original. Right. That's just around the computer desk. And then... That's like, all on, on your wall. desk. Yeah, that's just my desk. Oh, my God. <laughs> so on my wall upstairs, I have um, all of the McQuarrie... Um, concept action figures from Star Wars that have come out. <laughs> um, that was a I cool have, one. Uh, Batman from Batman the Animated Series and Superman from the Superman the Animated Series uh, large bust. I have the uh, 20th anniversary Optimus Prime, oversized Optimus Prime. Let's see, I have Darth Vader's uh, Jedi Starfighter that's painted all black. And in my room, I have about half of my collection of Star Wars Unleashed action figures. Oh, I have all of those. And then uh, downstairs in the kitchen, I have all of the maquettes from uh, Justice League. And I have <laughs> the one-six scale statue of Darth Vader, the one-six scale statue of Darth <laughs> Maul. And then I have a maquette of Batman Beyond. Oh, my God. And uh, a plate of Batman <clears throat> Beyond. Oh my and then I have all of the busts um, the Gentle Giant? Oh, no? I don't remember. It was... I have all the busts of the Transform busts that have come out from Generation 1, including the Devastated one. That's without. Everything else is packed away and I can't get to right um, now. Um, yeah. You should probably send over some pictures so that we can post that up. Okay. I, ha I have the Ed McGinnis Lex Luthor. It's in a drawer. <laughs> <laughs> but it's packed away, I have, um... <laughs> One of every action figure of, like, you know, the, like, Batman the Animated Series was, like, my favorite. So, but you know how they would have, like, a different color Batman, like, Snow Gear, Batman, Jungle Gear. I just got one of each yeah. of the original ones. So I have Batman, Robin, um, Bane, Penguin, Joker, Scarecrow, one of each one. Plus, I have every vehicle that ever came out from that line. And I have the Batcave, which was the first. Uh, Alfred action figure that ever came out. You realize you could 
afford the house already, right? <laughs> and then I have, because um, Where the Wild Things Are was one of my favorite books when I was a kid, so I have all of the uh, Todd McFarlane action figures of those packed away. Um, I have one of each of the Batman Beyond action figures. So I have Batman, um, the Jokers. I think Did you get the new Justice League Unlimited three-figure set? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get that. That's got that's got uh, Bruce Wayne. Oh yeah, I am missing a Nightwing in my uh, my Batman the animated series, so I have to get that again because I used to have those on display, and my son was probably about three or four, and he had his own set of stuff, and he's like, "But Daddy, I don't have a Nightwing." I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, this is Daddy's Nightwing. It's in the package and everything." And he's like, "But Daddy, I don't have a Nightwing." <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, but this one's Daddy's, but it's in the package, and it's part of Daddy's collection. But Daddy, I don't have a Nightwing. Here, here's your Nightwing. <laughs> and he ripped it open, and I almost cried, like one single tear. And they like bit Nightwing's head off right in front of you. <laughs> it's gone. It, I mean, he lost it probably within a month or so, and or not lost it, but it's somewhere in his vast black hole of a toy death graveyard of a room that he has. 